because it's fun. It's fun to do bad things. 24-7 Comedy Radio. I want to do horror stuff with my friend. The Green Room is brought to you today by The Whiskey Dick. Log on to SeanTGreen.com and click the Whiskey Dick icon to get Sean's debut album, Stand Up Comedy CD. And now, live from Silver Lake, California, the host of The Green Room, Sean Green! All right, everyone, we're doing it live here in the Green Room Podcast, uh, presented by 247comedy.com in the Silver Lake Studios. I'd like to welcome my left-hand man, Mr. Logan Lysico. Logan, how you doing? Yeah, I'm on. Yeah, I'm in. Now, Logan, uh, what happened on that read? A little fumble early on? <laughs> yeah, uh, to get Sean's debut stand-up comedy CD, I don't know, I just wanted to say album, and then I saw a CD and it, yeah. There you screwed me up. Okay. Oh, I thought you were thinking I'm, of Sean Green's comedy, and it just made you laugh halfway through. And now right. Wait, who's, who's talking right now? We haven't introduced anybody. Well, I'd like to introduce Cornell Reed. I'd also like to introduce Paul Danke. Yeah. Paul Danke and uh, <laughs> Casey Fay. Casey Fay, uh, rounding out the Comedy Garage crew. How are you guys doing? There's, there's already controversy. Uh, before we started filming uh, or recording, Paul said Yaman, and then Logan just straight jacked it. Yeah. Just straight jacked it. You know what? I gotta say though, it really felt real natural. <laughs> oh, Logan's, Logan's stealing someone's idea. Felt natural <laughs> compared to the read. Yeah, of compared it. to the read, it's he not good. He's never sold it. No. Come on. <laughs> now, Paul, where did you get this island vibe? I know you you try to you uh, you're a Jimmy Buffett enthusiast. You like to you like to crowbar island themes into a lot of uh, a lot of your lifestyle. I would say. Now, where'd that come from? You grew up in uh, Bellingham, Washington, right? No, oh, I was born down here in Southern California. Oh, that's right, sorry. Southern California native, especially growing up in the 80s. And, uh, but didn't you grow in the Inland Empire? Am I wrong? Uh, true, true. So, <laughs> sunshine, pools, uh, bikinis, you know, it's still all there. Uh, it, was, it was a great time. Beach Boys were still very popular. They were the, the topping the charts? Well, Kokomo, I'm thinking. Yeah, uh, killing it. Starting a song uh, of their whole career. So. All right. Well, let's uh, let's go around a little bit. Let's get a little history Wait, of. Can I throw a quick cue in here? Sure. Is there actually a hard copy CD out? Um, no, there's not a hard copy CD out yet. It will be. Uh, it'll be coming out in a couple of weeks here. So. Stay tuned for the hard copy CD. I was oh, trying so to figure out what. Right to want to say album. I was trying to figure out what a quick cue was, and then I figured it out. I, me, Midwestern, didn't get that vibe. Yeah, exactly. You, were, you didn't grow up in Southern California yeah, in the media heartland. Casey, you were up there in uh, Minnesota. Now, Casey, give us a little brief history of your involvement in the Comedy Garage. Uh, I went to uh, junior high school and high school with Matthew Sullivan. Uh, so I was looking, I was living in Australia, looking to move to either Chicago or LA. He said, come to LA, uh, I can get you up on some open mics. <laughs> to me, to me at that point in my career, that seemed like a hookup. So I remember that's when I met you, when you came out to visit Matt Sullivan, you stayed in the old comedy garage house in Burbank. That's right. And I remember you were, uh, you were hanging out there and then Matt would, he didn't really show you around the town very much. Was, yeah. I just remember him sitting there reading the ESPN magazine and saying like, oh, hey, you can go out and do whatever and i remember you having to take a bus around la like you came yeah. back you're like i went to uh, a mall in burbank it seemed pretty cool <laughs> yeah i i don't yeah i don't know what i was looking for but i just i sat at a corner for like two and a half hours waiting for a bus that never came and i still decided to move out here uh <laughs> to be fair though I, did, I think i gave him like a day's notice that i was coming out or something i'm a, I'm a pretty big idiot when it comes to planning and, and keeping in touch with people so i was just kind of like hey man i'm gonna be out there like on thursday can i stay at your place and he's like sure right but it's not like matt was busy Right, that's true. That's true. Wait, quick uh, side note with uh, Matt Sullivan. He, uh, I don't know if you guys heard this, but Matt decided to make a stand on the new Facebook layout, and he is protesting <laughs> Facebook for only Google Plus, and he's trying to get people not to tweet about it. I think I'm assuming he Google Plus about it. Um, do you think he will uh, turn the tides over at Facebook, Casey? Yes or no? Uh, no, of course not. <laughs> I do. I, lo- I love how people get so angry about the new layout and then eventually just become accustomed to it. It's like it's like that with any sort of piece of technology. Although that's, I don't understand this about the. Uh, am, am I the only one who, when the apps get updated on the cell phone, it never 
ends up really fixing the apps it just causes it to crash more maybe that's an is that an android thing i, I don't know I, I, yeah as an iPhone user, um, <clears throat> I, I heard a, a rumor that someone said he stopped updating his apps because he thought that that was just a trick to get your uh, like phone to slow down and to, like cause problems. Yeah, um, they update it seemingly to work better on a better phone, and then eventually they're just slowly phasing you out. Yeah, exactly. so I don't do them, I don't do them all. I do it every once in a while, but I don't do all of them. That's some inside information on the comedy crowd, everybody. You do it on an app-by-app basis. <laughs> yep, yep. Let's dig deeper into that. I like that. Uh, but no, just to real finish up your story. And so my last, or my first day ever in Los Angeles, me and a buddy and my mom moved uh, stuff in, in here, and then you guys were having a party and show that first night. And I'd seen some of your guys as, like, I'd seen a roast and a couple videos uh, in Minnesota, uh, so I knew about it, so I came over. And, and Do you had, remember any of the uh, roast jokes? Do you remember any of the roasts? I, I just remember that it was a video. It, was like, it seemed like it was a daytime show from what I saw. I don't know if that's true, but I remember um, one guy had a, had a laptop the whole time he was performing, yep. uh, and I didn't know any of I didn't know any of you, so I didn't really get the jokes. But it seems like you guys were all having fun. <laughs> yeah, that was that was uh, Jesse Eichner, former member of the Comedy Garage, the lost Comedy Garage member, if you will. Who's that? The uh, Pete Best of yeah, the Pete Best of the Comedy Garage. Mm-hmm. You missed out. Paul Ringo's had the longest career. Paul replaced Jesse earlier. Well, the other members were assassinated, so I guess um, Cornell and I can look forward to that. George Harrison was assassinated by yeah, by his own heart. <laughs> yeah, got into his house and like yeah, that's crazy. And I'm sure a lot of people tried to kill Paul. He won't die. Yeah, the only one who got to him was was Heather Bills. Do you know one of the reasons they uh, broke up was supposedly uh, Paul McCartney's drug use? Like, I guess he occasionally smokes weed, and that was like a big point of contention between Heather Mills and Paul McCartney. When you're marrying a rock star, you should, I think, accept a He wrote a little Lucy bit of... in the Sky with Diamonds. You've yeah. got to kind of expect that comes with the package. Well, I was going to say, J is not a problem. was it an occasional J, or was it... A lot of LSDs. Bill Murray's wife tried to, and that's what she said the same thing when she left it. But I was like, you have seven children together. You've been married for 25 years. Right. Not Bill Murray must pick up weed smoking. Bill yeah. Murray must get into some weird stuff, though, because he was also one of those guys that was linked to hardcore pornography. Like, I mean, not being in it, but a porno addiction. Did you guys hear that? I didn't, but I didn't hear Drew Carey apparently has, like, a huge, like, room, like a hidden little, like, temple of weird porn. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, Adam Carolla. Drew Carey wrote a comedy book. Read that. That guy, oh, man, he should not be hosting anything. Anything great. <laughs> he is dirty. He's you're allowed, you're allowed to get cracked. Cleveland rocks, yeah. So now, Casey, give me one of your best moments at the Comedy Garage and one of your worst. Shit. Um, uh, one of my best moments at the Comedy Garage. I mean, for me, really, the com- the great the great thing about the Comedy Garage for me was just, like, the fact that it was the first thing that kind of made me feel like, I don't know why it should have, but made me feel like a pro comedian, like, made me feel like I was doing this, you know? Like, living there, the cool thing was, like, I, I say, how much, it was just like, if you're not getting up that night, what the fuck are you doing? You know, you, you moved to L.A. to do comedy, and there's comics going up, everyone's going out, like, you know, hanging out in the back. There was times where not many of us were working, just hitting the hookah and talking comedy, and those were those were great times uh, uh my least favorite time uh i don't know i did make shannon hatch cry one time right so shannon hatch was on a few episodes ago the, deba- the, the debacle the debacle of of the roast uh, uh that's, no, no, sir, what else did you uh, was there was there now yeah. I don't know if we've talked about this on the podcast, but was there a moment when you realized, Oh my god, I'm I'm breaking this poor girl's heart, she's going to cry, or was it just the accumulation over the evening and you were the straw that broke the camel's back? What do you think made Shannon cry on that roast? From what I remember, and this might not be true, but I remember Bill Roosh saying something that made her cry in the back and I saw she was already crying and so I was like, Well, if she's already crying <laughs> <laughs> Might as well hit some jokes, but uh, yeah, I don't even know if that is like the, the, the my my worst moment. I'm sure there's much much worse than that, but uh, I don't know. All, all in all, it's mainly good things. I don't have too many bad memories. Now that's uh, you talked about the hookah. We no longer have a hookah. Cornell, how has your life changed now that we no longer have a hookah? How has has it had no major impact on your life in any way? Um, well. No, not really. I've spent a lot less time cleaning the hookah, which is nice yeah. to go a lot more free time now to, to 
not do that. Yeah. Um, Hookah maintenance was a big part of my lifestyle at the comedy garage. Constantly cleaning it out, and then every every it felt like every two weeks there was a new way to properly do the hookah. Some guys had to be. It was like a hookah training course. You'd you'd try to pass the responsibilities off to other people, and then you'd realize, oh no, he doesn't know the water to ice ratio. Oh no, he doesn't know the proper hookah coal. Oh, he didn't poke it up with the tin foil and the and the molasses pressing up against it. A lot of pressure. Sean, you wrote a book called Zen in the Art. Yeah. Just to let people know that it's about like maintaining your mind blowing vessel. Like you use it to expand your mind, but then like maintaining that is really, a, I mean, that's really what it's all about. It's expanding the maintenance. I remember when we started using the double foil. <laughs> oh, wow. Wow. The days before the double foil. Wow. <laughs> Things got real there. Now, Cornell, do you have any uh, highs or lows from uh, being in the Comedy Garage, living at the Comedy Garage house, doing a lot of shows there? Um, well, the highs were when I killed on the shows, and the lows were when I bombed, yeah. um, which happened occasionally. Uh, now, describe, I mean, everyone, I think, has heard the, okay, hey, I went to some show, the audience sucked, this or that, but describe the, because I think we've all had bad sets of times at the Comedy Garage, but describe what it's like to not have a set go well in your own garage while you're living there? Because I feel like it's a unique place to bomb. Right, yeah. Um, I mean, usually I would just try and riff my whole set to the comedy garage, so it was really, um, you know, I'd either go great or go terribly. Yeah. And so when it went terribly, I would just go off and... Um, there'd be a party I couldn't get away from. <laughs> <laughs> that is that is annoying, because usually if you bomb at a show, you're like, all right, uh, I'm going to go move my car and then just never come back. <laughs> um, but when you're at the comedy garage, you, you just still have to sit there and socialize, and then people want to come up to you and talk to you for a long time afterwards, like, man, what do you think went wrong tonight? <laughs> and you're yeah. just like, I don't want to be here. Yeah, everyone's having a great time around you. It's like feel like a piece of shit. Dude, what's wrong? Why are you partying? Because it's hard to go from the 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 zero of bombing to like, hey, full party mode. Right, right, right. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it'd either be just me just being bummed out all the time, or me just getting really drunk and then yeah. eventually getting back into the party. Right. You know, getting to a point where like, all right, yeah, let's have fun. Yeah, no, you could, I mean, when you killed there, then it's, you just ride the high right into hanging out and having an awesome party and then crashing at your, at your bedroom, which was literally steps away. So it, it definitely was a, was a high and a low from a, from a performance level. Definitely. Now, Paul, um, you never lived in the comedy garage house. Do you feel like you ever missed out on the bonding experience of living at the house? Uh, yeah, you know, I definitely did. I, I have, I definitely have a different relationship with the place than you guys did because I, well, I never had to show up the next morning to clean up and I right. never did, never did. Yeah, that. no, I noticed that. <laughs> I feel like by the end you started coming to clean up a little bit. Am I wrong? Like, because, especially because there would be football Sunday. If it's football, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah I would. I mean, I was, always, I was always a team player, but, you know, instead of uh, throwing up in my bed, I would go sleep out in my car and throw up in the gutter like, a, <laughs> like an adult, like a, like a young adult just figuring stuff out. <laughs> Yeah, almost more so than than the shows themselves. I think the shows picked up steam the past you know few years, but like for a while it was just like yeah, like every night it was like after whatever show or open mic we did, we just kind of meet up there and blow yeah. e blow each other's minds. And yeah, <laughs> I feel like that's Facebook. one thing that has changed. I talk way less about the universe now. It feels like <laughs> it feels like bullshit. I'm not gonna bring up the universe without a hookah. I feel ashamed. Right. But that's really, that's not true. You and I met for lunch one time. <laughs> trusted you but somehow sometimes you can't just it's like going all the way with the chick you can't just break out a universe conversation with another guy you don't want things to get weird especially if you're not high you're just two guys yeah. hanging out in a coffee shop supposed to be you might know something about science right, exactly <laughs> I don't need it. yeah you don't need him like talking about his astronomy class freshman year and actual facts he learned you don't need that thrown you don't need that bantied about in the conversation you just want to you just want to look into the cosmos and think about what could be and, and and throw in that fact that everyone knows that 
the star light that you're actually seeing is the stars that burned out years ago. That's an easy, guys, for anyone looking to break the ice on the universe. That's a great <laughs> yeah, idea. Great way to start. I'm telling you, just look for some dude in a head necklace, and he's down talking about <laughs> the universe and has no idea about science either. No, he doesn't. Or making necklaces, really. Yeah. I mean, hemp, I don't know. I feel like I... I uh, I rocked the hemp necklace back in my, uh... Oh, I, I bought one, but I don't know if I... I think I, like, put it on, like, one time before when I was about to go out. Then looked and was like, no, I can't do this. And then I, I don't think I ever actually rocked it. Hemp's, hemp's the strongest material in the world. Yo, do you guys know that the only reason hemp is illegal is because the government was tired of rope companies losing out all this money, and they couldn't tax hemp? Big, powerful... Rope lobbyists. Yeah, big yeah. rope. Yeah. I messed up. Hey, back in the 1800s, you don't think the rope lobby could break a couple legs? Yeah, hell yeah. I bet you're right. People needed ropes back then. All the rope spill cover-ups there. Yeah. Exactly. Guys were burning ropes for insurance scams. It was a different time. No, but I mean, if you're a door-to-door rope salesman, back in the day, 1700s, the industry's booming. You might, you have cattle that needs to be tied up. You you need to have rope fences. Ships at port. Yeah, exactly. Different things in the household need to be rope ladders. I felt like there's a huge decline in rope ladders. If you're a rope door-to-door salesman, do you bring all the rope with you? I would have to, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. Or at least... You just, yeah, you it's yeah. probably like the cut coat guys. It's probably like a, a commission thing, and then... Uh, but you probably get like a little briefcase with different samples of rope. Sure. And they come in, and, and, you know, they sample it against your rope. They come in, they start breaking other ropes. They have, like, the other guy's rope, which is really just a string that he's worn out in the car. <laughs> a hemp rope salesman, you can sell hemp rope and weed at the same time. Venice Boulevard, my man. Exactly. <laughs> Industry still alive today. <laughs> still, still chugging along. Now, Logan, um, tell us about how you became a part of the Comedy Garage. Well, uh, I feel like we've talked about it a little bit, but just yeah, uh, set, about the, set the stage. Uh, first episode of this show, we actually told the story, but basically, you and Cornell came up to help me uh, do a show of Tom Green Live, and you guys invited me to a show. You guys were strangers at that point, but the show blew my mind. <laughs> And apparently I got really wasted and, like, camped out in your bathroom that first party I went yep. to. But I think it's passed out. I don't think it's camped out. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't think I left. <laughs> Logan might have had some supplies in there. We can't get yeah. much right that. <laughs> now, look, I just remember having a blast, like, actually, though. Actually, that's, that's the high is all the times Logan's <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> well, one of my... You had a girl over. Yeah, that, I was going to say, that was one of my lows, was when I was in there and I realized how much I fucked up the party and I did that like every party. Yeah, well what happened I never was, even realized I don't know, you're just wasted. The yeah. yeah. No, yeah, he couldn't make it to his bed, which is like three feet over in I the didn't bedroom. trust that I was not gonna throw up or shit in my bed. <laughs> I like to literally camp out in the bed. But that you did I mean in your defense you did throw up all over the, the door. You remember that yeah. time? In your defense. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> in your defense. Yeah to be fair. <laughs> yeah. It's the funny thing was, he. I remember I was like sitting there watching TV and <laughs> Logan just runs through the living room and I see him make a run for the door. He opens the big, yeah. he opens like the big heavy wood door and and he's trying to bust open the, like the front, uh, the front door and he, he doesn't get it open, but he does manage to throw up all over the glass and all like, it, the, it's getting caught in the mesh lining. Oh, like the screen door. I open the front, uh, I open the front door because I'm about to barf. And I forget that there's a screen right there, and I just projectile vomit right onto it. And then I opened it again and started throwing and up And then outside. you just sit out, and you're throwing up outside, and you're like, I got it, man. I was like, no, you don't got anything. Yeah. Do you got Let me take oh, care of this. Man. Now, okay, so those are your highs. Now, whatever your real lows were. That was my Now, describe your, describe your role in the comedy garage. Well, how do you see your role in the comedy garage, Logan? Uh, well, I'm the documentarian of the group, I guess. Obviously, I made the documentary, which is now on Hulu, and we're trying to get it on Netflix and iTunes. Also, Beefcake. Yeah. Stud Master. Beefcake. All right, now we, uh, we actually, we will be, uh, filming a pilot. We're going to be, uh, shooting some stand-up. It's at a, uh, I don't know how to describe the location, but you can, uh, look it up at... Well, yeah, at the Comedy Garage on Twitter, you can look it up. You can get the directions. You can get the whole Facebook invite, the lineup. It's going to be a great time. Paul, I'll ask you this. I I think you have some thoughts on – you you seem to have very well-defined thoughts on what is the Comedy Garage and what isn't the Comedy Garage. Where do you see the Comedy Garage in five years? 
Comedy Garage uh, in five years will be a concept that we won't really even own. We're going to give it back to, you know, the youth of America. Well, I'm kind of joking, but I'm serious. <laughs> I think the Comedy Garage is like an idea, is like something that we did, and it was in a garage, but it's sort of like an idea that like you don't need a manager, you don't need a club, you don't even need a vent, you don't need anything. You just need what you already have. You need what you think is funny and just build a community around like a shared sensibility. And I think that in five years, I think that a lot of, uh, I think that that's sort of the direction that that, uh, that people are going, I think, especially in terms of creating comedy. And hopefully there will just be a lot of people that see the documentary or see the show or hear about it and just think, oh, fuck it. We're, you know, let's just do it here. And that would make me so happy because I just hate comedy clubs. That's right. I hate comedy clubs. Well, so you feel like it's an attack on the traditional comedy delivery system and we're bringing a new wave of entertainment or a new style? I would say it's almost, I would say it's almost an answer to, I feel like that's the alternative scene did originally with Patton Oswalt and David Cross and all them was they split off of the, out of the comedy clubs into the rock venues and that became its own thing. We split it off one more way. Yeah, we're the second, yeah. we're the second derivative of that where we weren't. We you, could, you call a bar a non-traditional venue, we'll show you a non-traditional venue. Yeah, That's a garage. I, I think it's also like the way media is now. I mean, it's, it's somewhat, it's kind of like, you know, YouTube or, you know, these people that become famous doing their own thing. It is kind of a thing of like, all you need is the talent. Because I think yeah. that's the one thing is like you, uh, I'm yeah. If you if you have some buddies and you want to put up a show in your garage, by all means, that's awesome. Go for it. Um, but I do think like it is that idea of if you have the talent, you can put it anywhere and showcase it anywhere, and eventually, uh, you know, that, that cream will rise to the top because media and it's, everything is so exposed now, and you know, information is shared so so readily. Now, obviously, the cream will rise to the top, and we will be all super successful at this <laughs> Casey, in your mind, who will uh, deal with success the best and who will deal <laughs> with success the worst and why? Oh, man. This, uh, in this analogy, we've all, we all are going to reach the exact same amount of success? Sure. Or the, but we're the, all billionaires. the comedy garage is a success. Okay. So who, who will handle that correctly? Well, uh, or how will success affect each of the other comedy garage people? Okay. I would think, uh, I'd say Paul probably has the opportunity to handle it the best because he has a family, right? Uh, he's got a wife, a kid. He's yeah. He's, 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 got he's always gonna go. He's always gonna go home the same place. It's always gonna be pretty steady. Um, uh, I feel like I don't know, man. I think Cornell might have some fun, uh, but I think, but I, but it'll be in a, in a positive way. Uh, Logan. <laughs> okay, now how is he gonna have some positive fun? Give me a couple examples. Well, uh, you're the youngest of the group, right? Yeah. Yeah, he's the youngest of the group, so he's baby. Yeah, so he'll go out there, you know, have some fun, throw some parties, hang out with some people, uh, you know, maybe maybe be a little fucking rock and rock and roll star. All right. Uh, Logan, I think will just disappear <laughs> for like we won't know what happened to him. Um, uh, and then I think uh, I think you're just gonna be constantly battling, like nothing. It's not, it's not gonna be good enough. It's, it's like someone else is flying first class when you're flying, yeah, or someone's flying first first class while you're flying first class. Um, but but uh, who knows? That's that, that's a good problem to have. If if, the, if our biggest problem is that we're all <laughs> really successful and who's not handling it well, I'll take that. What about you? Hypothetical. Uh, I I don't. I mean, I really. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I think hopefully it'll like turn me into an adult. That's what I'm hoping. <laughs> I just need money. I just that's all. I, I don't. I don't have much desire to be famous, but uh, I'd really enjoy some money. Uh, I think Logan's gonna become Anderson Cooper. He's gonna become the next man. I'm well, homosexual. I told. I think. It, I think he's gonna start like a religious cult of some kind. Like I think he's gonna get to the point where he believes he is a god or deity. Who? Logan? Yeah. Okay. I'm now yeah. Sign up for that. Sounds <laughs> pretty convincing. I'm, I'm there now, lie. actually. I'm terrified. <laughs> I've always said that Logan is like a Logan appeared to us. And it's here for here with us for a time, like like. <laughs> we have him, and they just he does love Reese's Pieces. <laughs> and then one day, I feel like time will come. We're gonna be left sort without Logan, but a great story and a, a great friend out yeah. there. You know, I was reading today they they found the Ark of the Covenant in Ethiopia, so. I may be there to investigate that shit. It's already happening. It's already he's happening. Already, he's already, he's not going to be there for the show on Saturday. He's like, sorry guys, the Ark of the Covenant comes a-knocking. i got to go chase this down.
I don't want to join your cult, but I want to be an investor. I want to be <laughs> the ground floor. I think a lot of people are going to be into what you've got to say. And Logan, Logan, you seem to subscribe to a certain lifestyle. What do you think? Um, what do you think is the kind of the driving factor in your life? Like you seem to you seem to cultivate a lifestyle. People are fans of the L dog. What do you think that comes from? Um, I know it's, I, I know it's hard to be that self-aware, but what do you think? I think I unapologetically, like I'm pretty different from everyone and I'm pretty unapologetic about it. I don't know. I feel pretty secure in the way I do things and a lot of times things, I do weird things, but it doesn't yeah. bother me that much. Now are you talking about, <laughs> yeah, sorry. What, what, what makes you different? Why are you different? Um, I don't know. Cliche bullshit? Well, like, well, like, well, this is a, this is a, no, I can't think of a good example, but just now, like, I, I showered and did everything, like, right before the show. Yeah, you got, got really on, dressed up for the show. I think, the it, got, I think it got Sean on Sean's nerve because he wanted to sound check and everything, but I like to save everything to the last minute. I don't know, because then I feel fresh out of the shower. I don't know, I just kind of <laughs> do my... You have I, do, <laughs> I do my thing, and I, like... To be fair, you did start with that with this is a bad example. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Okay, okay, tell me, tell me something weird I did, and I'll uh, tell you why. All right. I did it. Well, the other day we um, went to do a comedy show, and you, you burned a CD mix uh, oh. with, se- <laughs> with seven songs that we listened to four times, two of which were the Goo Goo Dolls. Now, why no, they weren't the Goo Goo Dolls? Yeah, it was the Goo Goo Dolls, wasn't it? No, I had uh, fastball. I had cake. Matchbox and, Twenty. No, I had cake and uh, What's it called? No, stop. No, Goo Goo Dolls was on there. Oh, Wallflowers. Okay. Jacob Dillon. Oh, sorry. Got that confused. Now, what what, uh, what, what all of a sudden you got you back into the Wallflowers? Um, See, this is a perfect example. (laughs) Yesterday, I was just, I was just, you know, working. I was just writing jokes for tomorrow, for yesterday night, and I just started thinking of uh, the only difference... You know, I got that song in my head, so sure. I downloaded it, and I was determined to listen to it. It was important that we had it in the car when right. we drove over to the thing. I don't know why. I just no, but if you listen to the song three or four times or in the drive, do you get tired of it, or are you just that much more <laughs> into it? Yeah, I need an iPod. <laughs> it's okay. Right. Spoken. I shall but, um, I mean, we all listen to music over and over. Why pretend we don't? When friends, are, <laughs> when friends are around. No, seriously, it's like when you're alone, you probably listen to the same song over and over. Lil Wayne's, Lil Wayne's mixtape, Canon. Yeah, yeah, I mean, come on. I just, Hot, I'm not a fr- ashamed. Hot mixtape there. Okay, now, um, Paul, describe some of the musical selections or the uh, different phases that the Comedy Garage has had as far as the music. So I feel like that was a part of the scene, you know, people yeah. bringing over mixtapes, burning mixtapes. Yeah, well... Describe some of the different uh, archetypes of the of the music scene at the Comedy Garage. Um, well, there... I mean, the main... Our bread and butter was uh, Chronic 2001. That was sort of, I'd say, like, the informal soundtrack. <laughs> I think so it was what? CD number one in the 200 CD changer. That yeah. was number one. We played at every party... And it was we, old when we put it in, too. It was old when the comedy oh, garage started. Oh, yeah, yeah. The whole minute skipped. There was never, like, never had a quality recording of the album, so it always had to get... It starts off with that weird skit where they're hanging Dre for some reason. <laughs> like, he's... Uh, I don't know where he was going for. Like, yeah, I even get I even get hung out to dry my own album. I'll show these haters. Most things are the same for gangsters. Nah. <laughs> but it was... It, the Chronic 2001, maybe it's just our specific age demographic, but... It's hard for me to think of a more universally accepted CD at a party. Find me someone who can't rock out to that album. That is a great album. Hits. Hits. But I think it was even even people of our age that were never really into hip-hop mm-hmm. were into hip-hop at that time period in their life when that album came out. Eminem's Hungry, yeah, Dre Beats. That yeah. year, probably. Right. Good. Describe some of the other uh, mixed CDs that uh, populated the Comedy Garage. Well, it's hard to, because all I remember is you turning them off to put on some fucking grateful <laughs> <laughs> I remember the last the last Comedy Garage party, which wasn't even at the house. It was it was at the UCB. We went to we went to the house. Went to the house we're at right now. I put on a, a mix that was on my iPhone. I plugged it in. Then I went swimming. I didn't realize the music got changed. I go back to my phone later to check it. It was on the third track of the mix. You turned it off three three tracks in. And let me tell you, this thing did not stop. This was a banger of a mixtape. And you took it out, and I remember 
up swimming and having a, a great a great moment, having a great party, and then that white rabbit song comes on, and I'm like, well, this is how you get a party. Exactly. You want people to stay at a party at 2 a.m., put on that white rabbit song. Everybody's just going to go bananas. And, uh, no, of course I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, I was totally buying into that. Well, you know, I like to... Sh- I like. I feel like you know, kids these days they haven't heard Steely Dan or you know, there's a lot of good bands out there that kids, you know, they're they're listening to other things and I want to make sure. We're not. We're, I'm 27. And I'm the youngest one. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure everyone's heard that. I I had, I had never really listened to the Rolling Stones though before they moved on. Or I kind of heard a little bit of the Grateful Dead. I think I think. Uh, uh, but the one that I that I had heard but I completely forgot about until living with him was the band. And I made a Pandora station on the band and yeah. it was a great See? day. Great Dave time jam. Hey guys. I, no, I, I broke no, through. You, now I gotta you say, good bands. you just like three good bands. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right. But I gotta say, was that. that was that not Ryan's CD, the band? No, he, I was with him when he bought it at oh, okay. uh, Virgin Records when it was called yep. business. Nice try, Logan. Always <laughs> <laughs> no, trying to undermine me, even on my own show. Appreciate yeah, that. Right. Oh, and then of course uh, Logan's uh, constant insistence mm-hmm. that we play Weezer at parties. <laughs> or Devo. Afro Man. That was a good. At least that was a good call. Oh, yeah, I remember that was one of the, like, early on, we are like, that was one of the funniest things I thought Logan had ever said, up to that point. All right. The, 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 the needle's off the charts right now, but when when he said, because um, I got high was far and away not Afro Man's best stuff. Yeah. And we looked at him like, you're out of your mind. How have you ever heard of other Afro Man stuff? Then he played the Afro Man CD, and there was one other good song. <laughs> yeah. No, it was, fuck you, it was awesome. Okay, right, Casey. That's where. Come on. Uh, I like. I, like I, I like the one where it's like I uh, make a bunch of jokes about. Uh, I'm a Tuesday. Yeah, that's the one other song. song. Yeah. That's the only other song I heard on that whole album. Right. Uh, I've only heard it on good You you celebrate Afro Man's entire catalog. <laughs> heard that one album. <laughs> oh Logan. Oh Logan. So now Casey, uh, what have you been up to since? Since not being involved in the comedy garage as much as far as living there and that kind of stuff, what's what's going on in Casey's world right now? Casey's world. I'm trying to write a show called Casey's World. Um, no, I uh, do stuff at UCB. I, uh, I'm in a group, uh, Hip Hop Penguin. We do stuff, and I'm in a group called Cream. We do uh, sketches and stuff as well. Do people do people really care? Yeah, sure. Okay. Uh, I mean, I I send a lot of writing meetings. I try. I'm trying to write a pilot. I'm trying to describe um, <laughs> the, describe like the tensest a moment has gotten in a writing meeting. Oh, what we fight all the time. Them? Really? Yeah. We I, how how hard does it go? Like, does it ever get insulting? Yeah, totally. I mean, especially like for Hip Hop Penguin, we're we're five guys writing one show so we all have to agree on almost every line uh as as five people so it, it gets super i mean it gets pretty brutal and then uh but if you're friends you end up by the time the next day or whenever you're like oh who cares i understand everyone's just trying to make it as funny as they possibly can uh but yeah there's definitely like arguments and and you know hurt feelings and all that stuff but uh, ultimately it gets it it's like you, you do feeling it is that thing if you have to realize cause sometimes you find yourself fighting for something <laughs> no one likes my sketchy <laughs> that's why i just, just said stop earlier uh, <laughs> trying to keep it general trying to keep but general, uh, no, but uh, no. I mean, like, ultimately, you, you find yourself fighting for something, and then you'll test it. You'll put it up in front of an audience, and it won't hit. And you're like, why the fuck was I fighting for that? Just because it was my idea? It's not. It's not that funny. Someone else had a. Uh, and so, ultimately, you get to show that everyone agrees on it. And if five, you know, good funny people can agree that everything is funny, it it works out. Don't you ever feel like you had the line was funny, but then your partner? Someone in the scene who was fighting with you didn't really nail the delivery, and then you're like, they sabotaged it. Yeah, sabotaged it. We're looking for here. Uh, this very rarely happens. Who's the most in your group? <laughs> uh, Nick. <laughs> <laughs> that Nick guy always throwing things under the bus. <laughs> now, Cornell, we, it didn't seem like there was a lot of arguments in the comedy garage. Do you ever remember a big point of contention in your mind? What was the what was the biggest argument, either a recurring argument or overall? When did tempers flare the most? Oh, man, the biggest argument? Um, I mean, the first thing that pops in my head is that Coors Light sign. Yep, that's um, the first thing I thought of, too. I mean, uh, you, you, Sean, got the Coors Light sign free from the Liquid Lounge. Yep. Legendary bar in our comedy development. And um, you put it up right behind the stage, and it was just like a big advertisement for Coors Light. Yep. And I don't never really knew why we were plugging Coors Light so hard. <laughs> they weren't giving us anything. I had no particular 
love for Coors Light over any other beer, and um, it wasn't really that cool looking to me. And so I remember we had that conversation a lot, but then eventually we just kind of left it up. <laughs> Sweet, I don't ever remember having that conversation. <laughs> I think you just had it to every, maybe you guys just had it to everybody else. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> well, what did Talk I say when that. you said uh, I want to take it down? No, I'm just trying to remember. I don't remember. Yeah. I mean, it was an awesome neon beer sign. That's that it was like it was it was the kind of sign you would see in in a sports bar. Yeah, it was like a, and it was fairly big and fairly cool. It had lights on it. Yeah, I think at the time we were trying to not push the frat boy vibe of the show, and the giant Coors Light sign from a sports bar wasn't really helping that. No. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But um, <laughs> this is all news to Sean. No, no, I, I, no, no, I, I, I never, it's not, <laughs> I never remember, you know, fighting vehemently for it. But I don't know. I thought it was really cool, and you know, because it was from the Liquid Lounge where we had done a ton of shows before that, right. before we got the comedy garage going. So, stoked on that. Yeah. what's up? If it said Liquid Lounge, I would have been stoked on that. Who cares? I mean, it's not. We're not gonna right. Now let's argue about the course. <laughs> I mean, if it, if it makes you feel any better, Logan broke it, so. Yeah, you're welcome. Yeah, it doesn't hurt. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I get it. Now now the course light sign is gone. Maybe maybe it could have been a cool PBR sign. I don't know. What do you. No, that would have done anything. I don't want, I don't want just a, another beer that kids think are hip. I just. Um, no logos. Beer. No logos except the comedy grass. Yeah. Um, I don't know. What do you think was the biggest fight? I don't know, Coors Light sign. <laughs> no, I I don't know. I'm trying to I'm trying to think of any any kind of real arguments. I mean, I guess we always kind of lineups. Yeah, had a, yeah. I don't know. Did you guys ever fight about those beanbag chairs? Yeah, there's nothing stuff like awake. that. No, yeah, people get moved. It's like they were a good idea, and then it just didn't. Just yeah, the floor's didn't too want dirty. To <laughs> Yeah, I mean the idea was the idea was good, but yeah, I think the floors just I don't know they weren't they weren't built for a beanbag chair to be put on. I think it's hard to have too many big fights when you're also living together. You know, I feel like that's uh, kind of why they're. I mean, it's more just like passive aggressive stuff because you have to wake up the next day and see them. Mm-hmm. Yep, it's a fairly relaxed vibe too. That's true for well, everybody. That's kind of what we were shooting for. Yeah, yeah. So that was that's what we were going with. Yeah, I'm on. All right, uh, let's take a look. Let's. <laughs> Let's hit on a little news here, guys. Did uh, how are you guys reacting to the Nancy Grace nip slip? I know uh, we've been talking a lot oh, about that. The water cooler. She's always so fat. She does have the, uh, the her, her. I mean, she's got a broad carriage. <laughs> broad <laughs> carriage. Like I would call her fat, but there's just like she's, a big, she's got a stocky built her. Huge cans. Huge cans. Here's what I don't understand. It is a. Uh, it is a weird. Um, sorry, my phone's on. Uh-huh. Who's the emperor? Fe- oh, Sean. Yes, I'm on the <laughs> Yeah, can't take calls during the podcast. Um, now, this is what I don't understand. ABC is a network show, but then we had a huge... I was just thinking, I was still going, sorry. Okay. Um, <laughs> ABC is a huge network show. Why did they not get in trouble for a nip slip? Like, when Janet Jackson's breast came out, that was a huge hubbaloo. And, uh, you know, now when Nancy Grace does it, oh, what, because she's frumpy? We can see frumpy nipples, but we can't see hot, you know. They, they didn't get in any, any kind of fine or anything? You know, no, no. Really, it's not like a, it's, it wasn't like a Janet Jackson thing. It's like the top of her boob is, like, coming out of her top. And, like, yeah. it might be a little... Well, she claimed it was an accident, but that, that chick knows that chick knows rating. Janet claimed it was an accident, too. Janet claimed it was an accident. Yeah, but... Nancy Grace, she's a cunning, cunning woman. She saw that Casey Anthony trial and go, here's a ratings gold mine. If I saw that, I'd be like, oh, who cares? I mean, it's not who cares about that, but who would be fascinated about this case forever? But this woman, she saw that and was like, no, I'm going to make a ratings bonanza out of this, and she did, and this probably helped Casey Anthony get off. Let me ask this, though. So let's say Janet Jackson thinks that got a big fine. Sure. Now, Nancy Grace getting off the hook, is that America saying we are moving on? Maybe we overreacted, or is it something? I wish. I wish that was what it was. It was also dancing with stars and not the Super Bowl, which is kind of different. Uh, I I think the FCC maybe realized, like, oh, okay. Obviously, this wasn't intentional. Like, Nancy Grace nip slip isn't going to help get more viewers. I think. I I would. I don't know. 
And then because he realized that people want to see Janet Jackson's nibble, and no one wants to see Nancy Grace's, and so it must have been there was. But wasn't it impressive how Tom Bergeron just handled that like a pro? Tommy's a pro. Tommy B's a pro. Give a beat. Tommy B's a pro. He's like, oh. Look at them titties. I think was the direct. <laughs> classic, classic Bergeron right yeah. there. Then America's Funny Home Videos. <laughs> coming up with a book. Yeah. <laughs> who's the uh, Who's the hot chick that um, Tom Bergeron had? No, you're thinking of Daisy Fuentes and John Fugel saying. Oh, okay. Yes, I was right. thinking of that. <laughs> Which is weird because I've I've done shows with John Fugel saying I've actually hung out with the guy. Shout out to Fugel saying. <laughs> <laughs> Logan, are you just trying to impress the guests? <laughs> are you trying to like think yeah. that you're Yaman? You're you're all over the place today, Logan. Are you trying to impress? Uh, that one did impress me though. That shout out to two of them. <laughs> because it so, came out of nowhere. He shot at her mouth, bro. Nation till I die. No, he's not. <laughs> all right, now uh, President Obama visited uh, Los Angeles. Were you guys affected at all by the traffic? No. Because, uh, I wasn't. I did hear that there was a guy who like was yelling crazy stuff to him, like relatively close, like within ten feet, twelve feet from the president of our country. Yeah. Like, uh, and that was crazy to me. I mean, that's Hollywood. <laughs> yeah, man. Well, it is funny that the that um, Obama still gets heckled. I would love to see him like a moment where he would just you know do the old. The old classic stand-up reply to, uh, hey, I don't come down to your job knock the dick out of your mouth, sir. Oh, wait, you don't have a job because of the economy, motherfucker, because I haven't passed this jobs package, all right? Exactly. Now we need to get this moving so you can get back there and start sucking dicks for this country. But he's a human being. You know he does the same thing that we do. He gets heckled at a show or whatever it is. He can't say anything. He goes on the whole night. He's just playing it through. Thing. I can just rip that motherfucker. Well, he apart. did. He said his whole family. I don't know if um, I don't know if this was the same heckler, but it, it was either this one or, or another recent one. I don't know. He needs to tighten up his act, but um, he was gotten heckled, and this guy was just yelling, "Jesus Christ was Lord and Savior. Jesus Christ is the only living God." He kept yelling that, and then Obama goes, "Yeah, well, I agree." <laughs> <laughs> and so he's like, he's like, he's. He's doing it calm, cool, collected, and yeah. he's pandering to the religious crowd. And then, <laughs> and then as the guy's getting dragged away, he's like, hey, make sure he gets his jacket. Is that that young man's jacket? Like, they're still worried Too about cool. this guy's boat. Too fucking cool. <laughs> He is. That's that's his thing. He's he's too cool for school. You think George Bush gave that shoe back? You know he didn't. No way. <laughs> no, there's no, no way. way. There's no way that no guy. Way. <laughs> um, that guy it, got waterboarded the shit out yeah, of him. Yeah, he gave that shoe to someone who knew somebody. Took him out. That is fun. That probably was used as like as he was getting tortured. That same shoe. Like, yeah. Oh, you want to throw this at the leader of the free world? Why? <laughs> Put it in water, too, and it was fine. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's Italian leather. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you whatever you want. If you could throw one kind of shoe at George Bush, what kind of shoe would you throw? Oh, definitely just steel-toed, like military boots. Wow. No, no, ice skate. Ice skate? <laughs> wow. See how you'd handle it? Bold. I don't know. Right. I'd say Tom's, because then a kid in Africa would get one, too. <laughs> <laughs> okay, <Maybe>. Steve. <laughs> Wait, does the kid get hit with some shoes? Well, is that part I'll of the deal? I'll have figure that out. That's up to Tom's, the yeah. folks at Tom's. They're charging $17,000 for uh, a dinner, but I guess part of that included a donation. Or, I mean, it's obviously for the donation. But that's, there's one of those things. If you get a dinner for $17,000, that... I don't see, I mean, I guess you write it off as like, oh, hey, I'm helping this guy. But, I mean, doesn't that create an insane amount of pressure for, like, how good does this dinner have to be? Because how do you have a $17,000 dinner and not spend the entire meal just going, oh, this is two grand a steak right here? Like, how do you sit back and enjoy donating 17 grand? Do you get off on the idea of, like, oh, hey, look, I can just throw 17 grand out the window and not give a shit? I'll tell you what, that chef was shitting his pants. <laughs> 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 the Swedish chef. Uh, no, I think I think anyone who signs up for seventy grand dinner doesn't even know how money works. Like they just don't, they don't have a concept of anything. So to them, they're just like, yeah, whatever. Let's now, who is uh, who's Tony Parker's ex-wife? What's that? Eva Longoria. Eva Longoria. She was there. She was talking to the. Uh, and she told the story on Jimmy Kimmel that she was talking to the president because she's a huge advocate for Latino issues. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah. 
All right. I mean, is, is the average like Latino walking around going, oh, man, thankfully Eva Longoria has our back. Oh, man, I'm not going to get deported. Eva Longoria is going to make a difference. The average Latino does think about Eva Longoria. Right, exactly. And, and thanks, sir. Exactly. Just thinking about, you know, drinking horchata and banging the crap out of Eva Longoria. Like, like most of us do living right. here in Los Angeles. but. Yes, it's it's cross it's cross the. Now, my focus would be on that horchata. <laughs> exactly, bang the horchata and then do what you will with uh, people on Goria. Maybe just have to get more horchata. <laughs> right. Now this uh, this next girl, Holly Madison. I don't know. I I guess she was one of the hotter of the girls next door, but she always struck me as kind of super fake. She's insured her breasts for one million dollars at the. I guess she's doing this topless Las Vegas review for. And she's insured her breasts for $1 million. Now, I mean, obviously this is insane, but part of me thinks that these, like, crazy insurance companies, they don't, they don't actually, like, even bother writing up the policy. They just take, like, oh, you want to give us $1,000 so we can print out a story that says you insured your breasts? Sure, we'll do that. Like, there's a story that Mary Hart supposedly insured her legs in Entertainment Today. Mary Hart's got decent legs, but they're not worth a $1 million. And then Holly Madison, her whole thing is like, well, you know, if something happened to my breasts and they got damaged, I, I could be out for weeks, and that would be worth at least a $1 million. Yeah. She's probably right, though. She's probably yeah, just right. She's probably right, but yeah. <laughs> I guess that is weird, just realizing the things you bought are the most valuable part of your body, like a surgery you had is worth the most on your body. And just you're just caving to the idea of, like, okay, I, I'm just literally placing an insurance bet that no one cares about my personality. Yeah, don't, I am literally an object. <laughs> don't these insurance companies, isn't it just similar to, like, the guys who front up the money for, like, you win a million if you hit a three-quarter court shot? They're just playing the odds that nothing are going to happen to her breasts and they're going to get free ten grand. Yeah. And that, like, if, you know, it's worth it. To, they just work out the numbers. Yeah, yeah I would have. Yeah, of course. So all those insurance things. Still not as bad of a decision as when she decided to drape Chris Angle for a while. <laughs> is, is it Angle or Angel? Angel. Mind Freak? Mind Freak, yeah. yeah. Angle, isn't that a wrestler? Oh, yeah. Kurt Angle. Kurt Angle, there we go. Kurt Angle, the wrestler. And an American. Yeah, exactly. Chris Angel. That is a that is a weird decision to go into. Go into magic. Have you guys... Have you guys had any run-ins with magicians on the uh, comedy on the comedy scene? Have any shows with magicians? Definitely, yeah. Oh, yeah. Definitely, definitely. I've done, I did a show with uh, a Korean magician, and all of his fans are Korean. Mm -hmm. Right. And, worse. and uh, so I had to do stand-up in like, a tiny bar in Santa Monica for like 75 Korean people crammed into a tiny bar. And they don't all speak English. <laughs> it's a Korean fire drill. All right, fuck it. Here we go. <laughs> and uh, they actually kind of got into it. I was surprised. I was really now, do you think, were they, were they actually listening to the jokes, you think, and getting it, or just kind of responding to your mannerisms, perhaps your your rhythm, maybe some maybe some voice inflections. I pretended I was doing some like close up magic, so I didn't stand <laughs> a lot. And then nice. They just they were, they were just like, "What the hell is going on?" You know, you pick the right line of work when you're backstage freaking out, like, "Oh God, how am I going to follow this magician?" <laughs> the crowd loves him. <laughs> what am I going to do? <laughs> I think I I might have been with a show with Cornell, but I remember doing a show where. A magician came out, and he was like a younger magician. He was going to Santa Monica Community College while also doing magic on the side. And I think he might have been high, and he came out, and he kept messing up his tricks. And I just remember him saying stuff like, now you see it? Ah, there, it's still there. <laughs> or he, and then he would, like, explain what the trick, oh, that ball is supposed to be red. Yeah. <laughs> and then, like, he would go through, he would explain the trick and tell us what was supposed to happen. <laughs> and then, like, start, like, kind of peeling the trick apart and, oh my and trying to figure out what went wrong. <laughs> well, big issue on uh, Obama's, uh, Obama's plate and as well as um, Lady Gaga is teenage bullying. There, it looks like they're they're working really hard on a new... On a new teenage uh, bullying, like a cyberbullying law. Do you guys think this will change cyberbullying? What would the I'm law be? What's up? I'm a cyberbully. Now, uh, do you, uh, what kind of cyberbullying do you get involved in? I'm a huge advocate for cyberbullying. YouTube comments, anything I'm looking for. <laughs> anything. If I see someone being a cyberbully to anyone else, I'll read all the replies. I'm a, like, I'm a fanatic. It's like it's it is funny. Like, every, every YouTube video, the top two ones are either someone calling the person the N-word or someone saying, like, something really mean about that person with, like, a million thumbs up about it. Right. What do you think it is about the internet and and just basically this online digital age that 
it seems to cultivate uh, people being pissed off and people bullying. Do you think it's just like people realize they can get away with it scotch free and are deciding like, hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna use this forum, or do you think there's something else going on? Anonymity, right? Yeah. Anonymity, you can do it. Uh, but I, I think, thank the Lord, every day that they didn't have, like, YouTube and stuff when I was a kid. As a kid who, like, thought he had it, you know? <laughs> like, as, as a guy who who definitely would have been doing YouTube videos, uh, I, I thank yeah. God. Because it's one thing if it's like, yeah, now I put I put a video up on there and someone, you know, says something. I'm like, all right, cool, that's fine. I don't give a shit. Yeah. Um, uh, but if I was, if I, was I, I can see why, I mean, cyberbullying could be, like, it's like, it's enough. It's enough if you get teased all day, every day at school. You want to go home. That's that should be a refuge to be an idiot and be dumb and weird. But I guess it's these kids. I think what they should teach is kids not to put stuff online. Like, yeah. you know, as, as opposed to being like make a bill about cyberbullying and be like, uh, some well, you have to have like an 18 year old consent to put something up. Or, well, it does. Know. It does seem almost like how do you not just? I guess these kids, you know, they want to be friends with everyone, but. It seems like it's so easy to end cyberbullying, just block the people that are bullying you or delete their comments or whatever. And another, and who are these bullies? Like, have they not discovered hardcore pornography online? Like, I feel like that would be my main distraction to cyberbullying or any, you know, any cyberbully out there. Well, to be fair, Sean, you and I used to do our fair share of cyberbullying when we did mushrooms. <laughs> yeah. Really? That seems like such an unmushroom no, thing to do. Yeah, back on Facebook with just colleges. Yeah, uh, I don't right. even know. Yeah, I don't even know if bullying was the right word. You did it on it Facebook? Was just kind of. Oh, it was definitely yeah, it was a little. It was like crank. We would just crank message people. <laughs> it was just colleges still. Like right. You'd see everyone who was in your college, and that was it. Oh, uh, right. We just scrolled through people's pictures and messages, <laughs> making fun of their pictures. <laughs> Yeah, they're actually right. There was some bullying, but it was just it was anonymous at all. It was like you'd see him in class. It is funny. It is funny, like because it was just when people were getting on Facebook, so you get a message back like four months later, like who the hell are you? Why are you writing this about me? I took a I took a picture in front of the mirror because I thought it looked cool. All right, leave me alone. Yeah, Kids, you got to develop a thick skin early on. I remember I got a YouTube comment on one of my stand-up videos that said, um, "If you ever make it in, if you ever make it in stand-up comedy, I'm gonna carve my eyes out with a rusty spoon." <laughs> <laughs> well, I do like when they try to be funny, and, they're, and I do like, I do like when they try to be funny and then they're not funny, because then it's a little like, ah, it's a moment of relief. It's it's almost more it's more brutal when they're just like really concise like fuck this right. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this fucking eats dicks and yeah. it's just like well that's just one guy's opinion I guess. I think Lady Gaga and Barack Obama should instead of worry about cyberbullying they should both log on to like Xbox Live and like see what real <laughs> online bullying is about yeah. like that yeah. shit isn't 3D or, or just like post like a video of them just doing something really dumb and embarrassing like, yeah. A video blog talking. I guess everyone would like that. <laughs> <laughs> Probably get a lot of thumbs up. It's hard to get rid of cyberbullying because kids are terrible, and people who hate themselves are always going to hate everything else. So yeah. unless you can fix some guy's life who has a shitty job in fucking bumfuck nowhere, uh, who all he has is a computer and you know some wife who's yelling at him, he's going to keep being a cyberbully. And kids are just terrible. Yeah, kids yeah, are just yeah. terrible. The content they're putting up is pretty shitty. Also. Right, they, maybe there's maybe some of it's constructive criticism. Yeah. Like maybe that video did suck, That's and maybe true. it wasn't that funny. That we are probably gonna that the next era of show business. Like, you think people at complexes, you know, growing up in our age? Can you imagine? Like, there's got to be some story right now. Just a kid who's getting cyberbullied, and he's just gonna like overcome it all, and just he's working on his coup de grace, his YouTube masterpiece. Bomb everyone's different. Oh man, I remember. Yeah, I remember back in my hacking days. I did. Um, <laughs> um, 
Uh, look, pull up a rocking chair and let me talk about my hacking days. My Twitter handle was Telehell. No, this is pre. This is pre-2000, uh, Paul. This was dial-up days. I had, uh, you know, I used to, I used to, you know, cause havoc online, man, with my 28-8 sports modem. Used to go on these. Uh, we, we found a Kansas City Chiefs message board, and we would actually call Kansas City long distance and just post hateful messages on uh, the Kansas City Chiefs message board. Not nothing against the Chiefs. We just found it funny to post hate mail and at the time it was probably death threats <laughs> so but then we also left the phone plugged in to that you know it was back in the day when you shared a phone line so i i just remember sitting at the dinner table and my dad goes what the hell are you talking about i don't know anyone of the kansas city chiefs i'm not gonna i don't hate the kansas city chiefs i'm an eagles fan uh-huh uh-huh yeah, no, that's probably him. I'll talk to him. <laughs> I got a long lecture. And then we also, yeah, we also uh, got a hold of a mail bombing program and uh, found a couple noobs online. Those are newbie computer users and totally filled their uh, totally filled their email box up with junk mail. And what did you guys do on the other side? Were you just like, oh, the emails are coming through now. Yeah. It's funny. Like, I make fun now of, like, what kind of idiots get off on programming a virus? But when you're on the other end, it's a rush, man. <laughs> It's a rush. You feel like you're fucking up someone's day. When you're 13 years old, and just the idea of ruining a 35-year-old's day, it's kind yeah, of... Yeah, you're a, just figuring out how much power you have. Yeah. It's a weird power trip to have. Like, I remember watching the movie Hackers and just saying how every how unrealistic everything was. And, oh, yeah, that's Hollywood for you. But, you know, I was in the trenches. And, uh, yeah, I got in, I got in some trouble. I wrote my own hacking program. I wrote a uh, kickboxing video game that... It was yet to take off. I'm <laughs> like, I really get in there. Wow. I'm not going to write it off completely. <laughs> All right, guys. Good times, man. Uh, Casey, where can people check you out? Uh, Twitter, Internet Casey, uh, funnierdie.com backslash Casey Fay, and uh, creamcomedy.com. Cornell Reed, where can uh, people get more Cornell Reed? They can get more me this Saturday at the pilot tape. That's the right answer. It's going to be a lot of fun. We got a warehouse. I like to call it a haunted hangar because like a it's okay. Like a, there you, you go. Know, yeah, it's kind like of like a plane like hangar. Plane kind of, hangar. It looks yeah. kind of like we're going to put a kick-ass show in there. Mm -hmm. Get a keg, beer, booze, keg beer. Yeah, yeah. Booze. We want it over. Mm -hmm. Bring a big ID, and that's cool with us. Totally yeah. cool. We're it probably doesn't even have to be that good. Like it could probably if you're a guy, it could probably be a chick. Just as long exactly. as it's 21. Yeah, and she has strong features. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Logan, you want to wrap things up with a haiku? Absolutely. Let's do it. All right, guys, pretend there's Asian music playing. <laughs> That's what it's so called, this right? Will, this will sound weird when I actually edit the music <laughs> in, but okay. New wave comedy. Big Rope runs this damn country. Yaman is my thing. Wow, wow. wow. Going out controversial. Coming in controversial, going out controversial. I think, I'm, I think I might have recorded that earlier part, so I'll try to track that down of Logan stealing uh, Paul's Yeah Man. So I'll, I'll make sure to play that. Hey, I'll be at, uh, I'll be at Penn State, Carnegie Hall, uh, November 10th. And of course, uh, well, Carnegie, Carnegie, Carnegie. Or, um, Depends, could be a different family in Pennsylvania. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, probably not. Whatever. It's one of those halls. November 10th, check it out. And of course, yeah, like we said, the uh, Comedy Garage pilot, you can follow the Comedy Garage at the Comedy Garage. Thank you for tuning in to the Green Room Comedy Podcast. We do it live every week here on the Green Room. Yay! Yay! Thanks for listening to the Green Room. Make sure to log on to 247comedy.com to download the podcast today. And follow the show on Twitter at Green Room Show. Also check out thecomedygaragemovie.com and come out and see all of us live on the pilot taping. Seen her walk by in them tight jeans and he
at her like that's my queen Cause he thought that he could mold her But it's over yeah. no. Larry was a 39 year old dude Who was getting over divorce and a custody feud And he'd been single now About a year and a half He liked to hit the strip club For a beer and a laugh And one particular girl And his mind was a standout Knew exactly when she worked Had his schedule planned out And he would hand out money and advice to her often She liked him Smile when he walked in And he was real witty And her laughter was genuine She was real pretty with that passionate feminine touch That he had missed so much since his wife left So soft with her clothes off She was priceless Hypnotized when she moved to the rhythm He soon suggested that she move in with him She accepted And within the next week Larry was in love with the young ass freak. He should have seen. He should have seen she was really naive. Shit, she was still only 19. And he was many years older. But he seen her walk by in them tight jeans. And he looked at her like, that's my queen. Cause he thought that he could mold her. But it don't work.